This is the Ice Blue Money Podcast with Greg Carter and Danny Bullock. Achieving your dream retirement is a lot like making the big leagues. To achieve your dreams, you need great coaches. Each week, Greg and Danny share insights to help you reach your financial goals and achieve your retirement dreams. Now, the Ice Blue Money Podcast with Greg Carter and Danny Bullock. Oh, and do we have some things to talk about in today's podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. Along with uh, Greg Carter and Danny Bullock of Ice Blue Money, I am Bill Seller. And uh, again, as we do get started here, please remember to go ahead and hit your like, subscribe, whatever button it is there on your podcast player. and let you know when new ones come out. And I know you don't want to miss anything from these guys. But gentlemen, how are you this week? Good. It's the best day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. It's not as hot in Rhode Island as it is in Atlanta. So I'm doing all right. That's doing for all sure. Right. <laughs> it, it must be cold because it's it's uh, it's not that hot here right now. It's very oh, nice. really? Well, yeah. it's only 77 here. So we oh, well. uh, that's where we you like win. to keep it. You know, 77, you 83, anything outside wow. of that, man, you know, we, we, we kind of lose our minds a little bit up here. So. I, I can't wow. do what you guys have been doing this summer. So wow. good luck no. with that, though. Remember a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about Whole Foods and and how they're going to start having a hand scan to pay for your food uh, yep. instead yep. of having to get out an app or you know something like that. You can scan your hand now and have that attached to your Whole Foods account. Well, there's a nonprofit that is looking to give people cryptocurrency to get their eyeballs scanned. The oh World boy. Coin Project is led by the CEO. Now, this is this is what I find interesting. Hmm. The, the, this whole project is led by the CEO of the company that makes Chat GPT, one of the biggest hmm. AI things to come along ever. Right now, their goal is to have iris scans become the best way <laughs> for humans hmm. to prove that they're not AI. You got the guy that shoved AI on us, wanting us to prove that we're not AI. Uh, and and that we're humans after all. I, I just I thought that was kind of ironic and interesting. I, I don't know. They're they're offering people one world coin, which is worth about I don't know fifty four fifty five dollars, and and uh, in exchange for creating their unique eye print. Anybody else find this kind of scary as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's very big brotherish, right? I um think I need to go back and look at all of the Terminator movies um, <laughs> because I want to see if this is how it starts. This this sounds really just I mean, you're gonna get iris scans for um a half a tank of gas because that's what fifty four dollars probably equals to right now. It's almost like uh back in the day, Greg, I don't know if you guys did this when you were in college, but you needed some money, something like that. So you went and, you know, gave blood and they give you like twenty bucks or something like that. What it sounds like they're they're trying to get people to do if we're really desperate for money, hard times, maybe we'll do this. But I I, I think um Terminator may be on his way. That's all I see from this. Scary indeed. I, I don't understand how we got here so fast, <laughs> you know, and how maybe they saw the other um, post, uh, you know, we talked about with the hand scan and they wanted to say just let's one up this, you know, oh, that's yeah. what you're doing with the hand. You know what? Well, here's an eye. Technology is always a double edged sword. Always. <laughs> so uh, going from uh, the absurd to the <laughs> incredible. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, somebody put out this image. If you put all the credit card balances in this country into one big pile, it would be taller than Mount Everest. Wow. That is stunning. Credit card debt just topped a trillion dollars. A trillion. I mean, that's like what? A a one in 12 zeros, right? I don't do math well, but yeah. A lot of zeros. 
Um, I mean, it's just stunning to me. Is is it ever a good idea, guys, if you already have a good retirement account to just reach into that and use it to pay off credit cards? Or are you hurting yourself in the long run? Hmm. You want to take a shot at that, Greg, or you want me to? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I see it often. Um, You know, clients want to save for retirement. In in fact, increase savings for retirement. Yet there's credit card debt that they've got to service. Um, And so we try to look at that and say, well, Let's look at the highest interest rate, uh, the credit card, the highest interest rate, and perhaps attack that. I, d- I don't know about pulling from retirement money to do that because then you, there's some other implications there, penalties and taxes to do that. So you, you kind of pay Peter to um, pay pay Peter to uh, Rob Paul. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say, right? <laughs> Rob Peter to pay Paul. I got you. That's it. Rob Peter to pay Paul uh, in that instance. And so it's not not always a good idea. Uh, we get involved helping the clients call the credit card companies. Perhaps we can work some something out um, in terms of interest rates or, or, or with balances. But it, it is a big problem. Uh, you know, a lot of people live to service their credit. They have mm. the credit so that they can buy the things that they really can't afford. And so that, that's a part of education process that Danny and I both, you know, engage with clients on. But pulling retirement money to pay down any debt could be just as harmful as yeah. uh, letting that, that debt pile up. Yeah. And one of the things I think sometimes people look at their retirement accounts as is really their emergency fund. Oh, if all else fails, I have $100,000 in this 401k and I really probably shouldn't take from it. But if I ever really got into a pinch, I could pull from that to handle some things. And then uh, I'm, I'm going to put it back. I, I, I'll pay myself back. And I always hear people say that. And they never do. They, they always run into the um, limits, you know, where they, you know, get to the point where it says, OK, well, you didn't pay it back. Now you're going to be hit with these penalties or everything. But yeah. I like to ask them, how did you get here? You know, um, credit's a good thing if you know how to use it wisely. But if you are living off your credit cards and then not paying them off, you know, religiously every month, then you're living a lifestyle that you really can't afford. And I know a lot of people end up doing that. And it's like, you know, you're putting all this money on credit. Sometimes it works, you know, in a pinch. I imagine in the pandemic, there were a lot of people who were laid off and things were happening. You couldn't go to work. And, you know, look, three months went by, four months went by. You probably exhausted your savings. And so those credit cards came in handy. But that is not a lifestyle. And a lot of us, you know, we are a nation of consumers. We love things. And the more you look at TV and commercials, the more you look at um, social media and things of that nature, it drives us to want to buy stuff. God knows. Drives us to buy stuff. I like that. Um, (laughs) We look at commercials sometimes at night and and, oh my God, my wife's going to kill me for saying this. But how many more face creams do we need in this house? (laughs) I'm like, like, come on, babe. The other one didn't work. Okay, it's promising something new, but this is what it drives us to do. And I think it's starting to reflect in this credit card higher than Mount Everest. That's insane. That's pretty That's insane. Well, I I wonder, too, if if part of what's happened is a lot of folks had these credit cards five, six years ago when interest was, they came out with much lower interests, right? Yeah. Uh, And now we keep hearing about interest going up, but we hear it mostly attached to mortgages. And and people aren't thinking about that. The credit card... (laughs) The interest rate is what, over 20% now? Yeah. So I wonder if that's factored in as well. Well, it could be, but if you don't have a balance, the interest rate 
really doesn't hurt you. And that's what we try to, to uh, approach clients with is how, to Danny's point, how do we get here and how do we change and not get back here? And that's the trap with credit, right? Yeah. And even if you don't have an interest rate, Greg, uh, I tell them all the time, you still got to pay the bill, man. You can't let this thing just sit out there for six to eight months because there's no interest rate. We got to, you know, you still owe that, you know, money and you have to, um, how are we going to pay it? And that is, you know, one of the bigger problems. And so we start again, back with the budgeting. Like, let's look, what does your budget look like? Why, why are we putting so much money on credit cards every month? You know, and what do you have coming in? And there are times, you know, I've, uh, business owners or even individuals who own properties and, you know, one month, you know, maybe a property had some really big issues that they had to take care of. And, you know, I get it. I understand it. And that's what, you know, those things can be there for to bail you out. But again, like I said, if that becomes a lifestyle habit, you're going to get yourself into trouble um, because you're going to burn the candle at both ends and, you know, end up catching yourself on fire. And, And I don't agree at all. Very rarely do I see a situation where I feel somebody needs to borrow from their retirement account. The money is for your future. And if we keep using it like a, uh, you know, part-time savings account, we're never going to, it's never going to do achieve what we wanted to achieve. And that's build a nest egg for you to be able to live off, you know, 20 years from now. And so that's one of the things that, um, I think is really a really bad sign if people are using those retirement accounts, you know, to be able to uh, pay down credit. And then you don't learn anything. Like Greg said, you end up just charging the cards right back up. So you're in the same position again. I think people should probably think about it. And maybe I'm wrong here, but the same way we keep hearing stories all the time about the government dipping into social security to pay for something else. And then there's always the threat that social security is going to go away one day. It's kind of how you look at it on your own personal retirement account, right? I mean, if you if you keep dipping into it to pay for other things, what are you going to do when you get there? I think you're going to have to do what the government is the master of, and that's kick that can down the road, make it somebody else's problem. I mean, you mentioned problem is we don't have other places we don't have other places to go grab money from. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. But and so what do we end up doing? We end up having to say, okay, instead of retiring at 65 or 67, now it's looking more like 70 or 72. You know, I'm not able to, um, you know, leave the job and and do the things that I've always wanted to do, you know, because we really can't afford it. And so that's our uh, rendition of kicking the can down the road, you know, not kicking it to another presidency or anything like that, but delaying your retirement because you don't have the money to be able to live off. Something to think about, folks, and and, and uh, unfortunately, but, you know, it's, it's really weird, too, because of the times that we're in, some folks have no other choice right now with mm. the cost of everything. And it's true. there are people that are in situations that, that need those credit cards, but uh, you can't, but like you guys said, you, you can't not pay them off Yeah, because that's when it starts to bite you in the butt. I think one of the things that um, I try to get people to understand, uh, one is delayed gratification. If we learn to uh, apply delayed gratification to our life where, you know, maybe we want something, but we can't really afford it right now, you know, kind of delay it a little bit until we get in a better position financially to be able to purchase that item, whether it be, you know, a car, maybe it's even an exotic vacation or something. But if it's going to put you into financial straits, then you don't want to do that at the moment. And the other part of that is, Sometimes you have to take a couple of steps back to be able to go forward and a couple of steps back may be, you know, look, we got to make some hard cuts here. You know, we have to get our budget in line with our lifestyle right now. And so we need to cut back on some things. Maybe, you know, we have a, 
you know, a car or something like that, that we really can't. And I've had these hard conversations with some of my clients. I said, you can't afford the car you have. So we got to come up with, you know, some type of recommendation or remedy to be able to, you know, neutralize this, this item off your, your budget list because it's killing you. You know, I've seen people, you know, get, you know, nice cars and everything, but you're paying thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars a month car payment and insurance. I'm like, that's eating up the income that you're bringing in that we could allocate to other things. So trying to get them to look at ways that they can cut back and get lean is very important as well. Yeah, not to go all uh, get off my yard <laughs> guy, but, uh, you know, to, to ask these generations now to not expect immediate gratification Ooh. or to delay gratification. Ooh. That's a tough ask right now, guy. I mean, yeah. these, these folks grew up with it, right? Yeah, yeah. they did. It, it's an on-demand society. If you want to watch a movie from 1982, you can be watching it in less than minutes yeah. from any device, right? We, it's an on-demand world and people want that gratification. One of the yeah. things I try to help clients uh, think about, uh, yeah, it is good to tighten the belt and get lean, but also how do we bring additional income into the home? Mm. And that could be from cutting expenses. It could be from getting better with tax, uh, filing taxes, but it also could be finding ways to generate additional revenue through a part-time business or venture. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time for that. But if if the why is big enough, the how doesn't matter, right? And so if you want some of those things, you feel like I work hard, I need to be able to enjoy a nice car, those things, let's go f- try to figure out how to bring in additional income into the house. And that's that's something I think it's a little untraditional um, from a financial planning standpoint, but it's something that I've seen work well. And uh, we, we help clients kind of think through that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you'd be amazed at what some of those streams could be. A lot of times people are already doing things. We just show them how to monetize it. So that's actually Absolutely. a good point too as well, Greg. Yeah. Well, w- once these folks have made this money and they've started putting stuff aside and they're working with you guys as far as their investments go, Let's talk about that a little bit. I read something the other day that I'm not sure I know what it is or or how it factors into this kind of thing. But what what is the rule of 72? How, how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so the rule of 72 is a way to calculate uh, when your money would double. So if I've got an investment, uh, let's call it $1,000 just for simplicity's sake. And I want to know uh, what kind of interest rate I need to earn on that $1,000 in order for it to double. And I want to know how many years is it going to double? It's a simple equation that you use. So as let's say I'm getting, gosh, in this interest rate environment, Danny, I could pick a double digit number, right? But let's say 5%. So if 5% is the rate of return that I'm going to get on that investment for $1,000, I divide 72 by 5 not 5%, but the number five. And that'll tell me, Bill, in 14.4 years, my investment, my $1,000 will turn into two, $2,000 without me adding anything to it, just earning that interest on it. So that's one of the ways we um, help clients understand the power of compounding and earning interest. Uh, How many times, Dan, do we see people with money parked in checking accounts? Yes. Uh, six figure sums and checking accounts. You say, why, why do you have it? Oh, I just want to, in case I need to help somebody in the family. <laughs> but okay, well, let's have that money in a high yield savings account or, or, or something else that we can earn some interest uh, and make that money grow. Yeah. And it also, Rule of 72 also um, helps with getting them to come up with a realistic number, um, you know, when it comes to uh, investing. 
what is the overall objective for the money? You know, when do you want to have a certain amount of money, you know, whether it be in a retirement account or, you know, a different type of an investment account. And we can start to play with, you know, OK, well, this is how aggressive you maybe should be with this account in order to achieve this dollar amount in this time frame. And I think this is one of the most unused philosophies when people start looking at their money because they can't tell you, um, you know, ballpark when they feel this account will double in, in value because they don't apply the rule of 72. And so it's more like throwing things to the wind. Well, I, I think this is the best um, bucket for me, risk, you know, category for me because, you know, I'm at a certain age. But does it get you the desired you know, result that you really want in the end. And I hope that's to double the uh, amount of money that you have. And, and of course, that risk factor changes, right? It's a flowing thing because as we start having less time, the way we approach it is different, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the ways we look at help people to kind of understand how much risk they should take on with investments, it's, it's up to each individual. And, and we have tools to measure that. But a simple way bill is the rule of 100, which is put out by the American College. The American College is the college that gives us all these designations, all these alphabet soup credentials <laughs> behind our name. Um, but they say you take 100 and you subtract it from your age. And so let's say you are 45 years old. So you take 45 from 100 and the result is 55, 55% of your portfolio theoretically could be in investments that take on some risk. The other number, the 45, your age should be the amount of your portfolio that should be safe, that should not be at risk. And so oftentimes we start that conversation even before we start to uh, uh, give people risk surveys and risk analysis just to set the table with that's how much risk. If I'm 70, right, 70% of my assets should be in a position that they cannot um, lose value. They, they're not at risk. 30% could theoretically be at risk, but it is up to each individual. That's yeah, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, nice. Yeah. And it varies nice. too. You know, a lot of different factors uh, fall into that. And that's everything from, you know, maybe uh, you make a little bit more income. Maybe someone has a little bit more debt. And so that would add to uh, your risk profile as well. Uh, what also, and maybe we'll talk about in a future uh, episode, is what's your financial personality? You know, one of the questions I always like to ask people is, you know, how did you feel about your retirement accounts during the last recession? during uh, you know, 2008. And if they say, look, I, I was sick to my stomach watching my portfolio fall and things of that nature. So, you know, they really don't have a really big um, <laughs> appetite for, for risk. And so we know they're going to be a little bit more conservative, but all of those things kind of come into play when we're looking at trying to identify, you know, what would be the best investment strategy for individuals. That's what I love about talking with you guys, man. I learn stuff every single time we get together. Th this has been great. We are going to, uh, of course, be back next week with another podcast, everybody. And uh, Danny, Greg, always a pleasure to spend some time with you, gentlemen. Don't let anybody scan your eyeball. I mean, first of all, if you're going if, if to take my eyeball, I think I'd like to have something a little more solid than cryptocurrency. Well, a whole cryptocurrency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. I don't know. A happy meal, something I could eat, whatever. I Just something better than just... Now <laughs> we're talking. Yeah, there right. we go. Might be All right, guys. Happy well, meal. <laughs> always, uh, 
<laughs> Always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget, once again, on the way out here, let me remind you to hit your like, subscribe button, because that way you'll never miss an episode. Take care. Cheers. Have a good one, guys. You've been listening to Greg Carter and Danny Bullock and the Ice Blue Money Podcast, helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investment and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Any comments regarding safety and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advice products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. No legal advice options or recommendations are being made in respect to this proposal. You should consult your tax professional or attorney concerning such advice and opinions.